This episode of InsureTech Insider is proudly brought to you by Deloitte. They are focused on uniting the bright ideas from InsureTech with large-scale traditional carriers and everything in between, bringing their wealth of industry experience and technology know-how into the mix and helping to drive the pace of change and transform insurance as we know it. Welcome to InsureTech Insider. I'm Sarah Kachansky from 11FS, and today's show is all about fintech and insuretechs teaming up. But before we get into that, I'm joined today by my co-host, Nigel Walsh, who has literally just gotten off an aeroplane. How are you doing, Doesn't Nigel? sound that glamorous. Uh, I'm very well, thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. What, is it glamorous? No, not one bit. Oh, that's why I didn't, <laughs> that's why I didn't suggest it. Um, to help us get into the FinTech InsureTech team-up, we are joined by some lovely guests, both of whom are making return visits. So first up, we have Dylan, CEO and founder at Social. How are you today, Dylan? Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you for coming back. Um, and next up, we have David, CEO and founder at Anorak. How are you doing today, David? I'm great. Hi. So let's get on with this. Um, just to kick us off, I know you've both been on previously, but can you start off by giving us an overview of what your companies do? Um, what, you know, what kind of products you offer, who you offer them to, that kind of thing. I don't know who wants to go first. Okay, I'll go first then. <laughs> I've had such a battle for this. Dylan, you go first. Um, I'm founder of Social, and we are restoring consumer trust in insurance. How we do that, we basically make it amazing if you need us. And I claims are up to 10 times faster than competition. And um, we decline much fewer claims than anybody else. And on top of that, if you don't claim, you can get up to 80% money back every year. Brilliant. David? Yeah, ours is far less, uh, far less exciting. We, oh, no, we build a <laughs> fully automated life insurance advice platform. And we give everyone easy access to regulated and personalized life insurance advice. There aren't that many startups in the life space, but there is a lot of uh, disruption that is expected, and we are, we, we, are, we are doing it. And that is needed. So good, good on you to be at the, at the forefront. It's complicated, it's hard. <laughs> oh, Nigel, you should have got some <laughs> life insurance. Tonight. I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, thank you for that. What is your involvement with fintech? Because you're both here to discuss partnerships, um, and I know that you, uh, you both have different relationships with different people, but do you want to kick us off again, Dylan? What, how, um, what's your, what, what social relationship with fintech? I should say rather than your personal relationship with fintech. Yeah. Um, so we are we're kind of part of the marketplace of Starlings. Um, I think we're one of the very early ones. Um, actually, I think we, and the reason is um, Anne Bowden and I met at, uh, at, an, uh, at a dinner and we kind of saw eye to eye. Uh, it's it's just a simplicity of being able to execute when you want things to take place. You've got two propositions which are fundamentally more consumer-centric than what the incumbents are offering. Um, so it makes entire sense to be um, aligning forces and, um, and supporting and providing consumers with the better products that we've, uh, or better solutions, I should say, than that we have, um, uh, that we have both created. What does it actually mean, though? So, so I'll, I'll caveat this. I'm a massive, super InsureTech fan, as everyone knows. I'm a Starling customer. I'm a big fan of what they're up to. Managed to get my wife onto Starling as well this week, so I'm feeling positive. But is it any more than going to the marketplace on the app and going, these are the things that are available to me? There has to be more to it. I can get that from my credit card. Here's your latest offer. There's no... Where's the proactive nature to make it fit better with my life? Do you want to let David explain his relationship with fintech Sorry. first? <laughs> and then, no, that's, and then that's a very valid question. I told but... you we are boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so f life insurance is a financial product, and it's a financial product you buy in a, in a money environment. And those conversations cur currently don't happen online. They happen offline with your IFA, if you have an IFA. Uh, so if you don't connect these products to where people are, which means on their app, financial app, and if you don't leverage data, then it's very it's full of friction for people to get access to life insurance. So tying up insurtech with fintech is very very important in what we do, and we were one of the the first to participate to starting Hackathon. And it's for us it's all about data and technologies. That's where we see value, and that's the gap we are trying to bridge. Few of us do, but not enough, I think, in the insurtech space. So. To your point, uh, Nigel, we are connected to the Starling marketplace. You have to go to the marketplace to find us, but once you find us, you can. We use your bank data to accelerate the process of finding you. I'm looking right now. Yeah, shocking. Yeah. Uh, Nigel, I'm actually surprised you've bought neither our policies yeah. on the Starling marketplace to be able to discuss it. I'm going to stand here and say I'm not a Starling customer. So <laughs> he's got an excuse. But uh, so, so when you, you sort of um, touched on this already, Dylan, but how, how does, how, who approaches who, you know, how, how do you go about doing this? So you were saying you met Anne Bowden and you just happened to have a conversation and hit it off. David, how about you? How did you get involved? So I didn't Starling? have dinner to, with, with anyone. <laughs> are you, so, you going to complain? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the old-fashioned hard way, right? Ex exactly. So we, we take the exit, uh, exit door. Now we, they organized a hackathon. We, we, we used their data and uh, APIs and we built a product around it. And uh, they thought it was interesting enough that we were selected to join their marketplace. Okay, but that's interesting to me because that means that there are two different approaches to this as well. There's one which is kind of at a personal level, which when you're both CEOs of a startup is actually is quite common. And then there's the, the, the sort of another route where it's actually the product first as opposed to people first, I suppose. Yeah, and at some point you need to share the same value, same business ethic. You need to create a trust link. But we, everything we start, start from tech uh, we, we want to be sure that it's useful and we're connected to the right ecosystem. And Nigel, we haven't forgotten your question. The, um, uh, yes, it, uh, the, I suppose your, what you'll find on the marketplace, it's an easier experience from a kind of purely I'm discovering and then buying um, because there is an integration between parties. And of course, this is a first step and there's a lot more things that can be happening which are a lot much more interactive in terms of the customer user journey, but you've got to start somewhere and yeah. before you have a fully kind of we thing spoke, dancing. We spoke to a gentleman from Starling who we're going to hear from later who explained how this works. Fantastic. So I did try one of the marketplace partners. I have a number of them added like Flux and whatever else as you'd expect. Um, I have a different challenge in that I just don't use my current account. It's just stuff that comes in and goes out and everything's on credit cards. So maybe we're integrated to the wrong thing. Um, but I did try one of the partners, not an insurance partner, a mortgage partner, and it was a disaster. I ended up going back to an IFA. It wasn't what I expected or any easier than speaking to a good old-fashioned human being. But can I say that that, would, that means that you A, know what an IFA is and B, have access to yes. one. And if you're looking particularly with life insurance, what, you, what I think we've just discussed before is there are a lot of people who, who don't know that they need it, don't know what it is. And those are people who tend to live on their phones. So yes, the experience might not be perfect, but at least it's there. It's, uh, there are frictions. I think if we don't start with innovative player like Starling, it's very unlikely that uh, Barclays or uh, other banks will adopt uh, this type I of solution. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, and I guess 
one of the things around the demographics of users of Starlinks or Monzo or Revolut or the newer accounts that are out there are the people that can't afford to pay for advice in the first place or don't see the value in it because they've never actually grown up with IFA communities in, in the first place. I guess that's all changed post-RDR, right? So after What's RDR, Nigel? Retail Distribution Review, thank you. Um, so the Retail Distribution Review basically made it from commission-based through to making people pay for advice if they wanted it, which then saw a drop in the number of people getting um, pensions and life insurance and all that sort of good stuff. Uh, so that's when we then brought out things like workplace pensions, which means if you have X number of people in the business, you've got to then ha- by default pay into their pension. So it, it's... We're always trying to fix things and then by fixing things with unintended consequences elsewhere. So I think the marketplace idea here with life insurance is actually really interesting. How do we make it from reactive to proactive? That's the key for both of you guys in my mind. I think that's where the, uh, it's the, on the path of the collaboration leads eventually to that uh, proactive um, introduction of products at the right and appropriate time. But and, and you want sorry, and you want to make sure you're doing it at the right appropriate time. That's really important because if I, I have one of my banks that keeps sending me an email saying, um, "Would you like to apply for a mortgage? Are you ready for a mortgage?" Now I know they're only doing this because of my age. There is no way <laughs> that I have enough money in my bank account to even think about applying for a mortgage, and they know where I live. So I think the the ball is in uh, Starling Camp in that uh, in that respect, and it's for them to. I mean, they are very already courageous to connect an advice, uh, a regulated yeah, yeah, advice yeah. proposition to a banking system, which any bank would do now. I mean, none of them is doing it. Uh, they can do much more. They are very aware of it. I think they are working hard on it to enable to segment the customers, trigger the right messages at the right time, uh, use mortgage. the data on mortgage. Yeah. Not mortgages yet. So what's the trigger for you then? What, what are the things that you look out for, you want to look out for to say, that's my ideal segment that we should start to capture now? Because my, my best advice when I left university was an IFA at the age of 21 who said to me, put 50 quid a month if you can afford to into a pension and pay off all your credit card debt as quickly as possible. And 20, That's it. That was it. 22 years later, he, it was probably the best advice I've ever had. No, I had the same advice from an economics teacher. <laughs> um, I was, I was going to ask you if you have any partnerships with any other fintechs. I, David, do you, do you work uh, with other fintechs? Yes, we do have one partnership currently, which is uh, Yolt, and we have uh, another one that will go live uh, early August with another fintech. Um, so the trigger points are when you get a mortgage, when you go self-employed and you need uh, to... Um, take care of your um, protection yourself yeah. when you have kids. I mean, there are many trigger points. There are 25 identified and credited in the system. And does how does it work then? So I know we're going to hear later on about how, how it actually works, but will, will the platform therefore say, Sarah's moved from paying rent monthly for the last X number of years into a what looks like a mortgage, hey, push her and alert A, to get the Starling Bank app, and B, to actually look at life insurance. Absolutely. Or at least raise the awareness of the risk, on the risk, and then provide solution if you want to be engaged. And the importance there, I think, as well, is that a lot of the, the propositions, as far as I understand them, is where you work together with the fintech to check that the person who's receiving the data is happy for you to do that as well. Because you, um, you can, so in like Monzo, for example, you can turn on and turn off what products you want to see advertised to you. So if you don't want... Um, lending or credit products, you can say you don't want them. So you could say, I don't want insurance products. Like the gambling ban type stuff, or similar in a way. A similar idea, yes. Um, so do you find that a lot of your customers, either of you or both of you, are already users of Starling? Do you, do you find there's much crossover? Uh, yes. And I think, um, and that's to the Nigel's point, uh, we, we kind of have a, um, 
a target customer base that is very similar um, mm-hmm. in terms of um, age bracket and social demographics. So it's a natural fit. The fact they have to have a mobile phone through the bank in the first place is kind of a given for you, isn't it? It's like, well, we insure mobile phones. How about we help you with the one that accesses your bank account? So for Anorak, it's very different. We don't have uh, direct customers. So we only connect to customers once we are integrated in a distribution partner ecosystem. So there is no crossover. Yes, you, you are right. So the difference would be with social, I may already have a policy with you and a bank account with Starling, could I view my policy within Starling? Yeah, you can connect that. Whereas with Anorak, it would be a case of, oh, life insurance, that's a thing I should think about. Can you give me some advice on this? Yes, so you would see your advice within Starling, but your policies would be dealt with by uh, the life insurance carrier directly. Interesting. And this goes, this goes back to the biggest or oldest question in life insurance, which is who owns the customer? Is it a Starling customer? As a big sigh from Sarah here, is an Anorak customer. Where, where, where do I, where do you want the customer to be, and where do I feel I fit in terms of acquisition process and then claims process? And claims process is very different for you than it is for you. So, it may be a relevant question for them. I don't think it's a question for us. So we provide a different service. We are a companion. So we help the the user or the customer to yeah. understand what he needs at any point in time. No one in the industry will do it. The life carrier, once he's sold you a policy, he doesn't know about you anymore. He talks to you when you die, potentially, to send uh, your family the money. He doesn't talk to you, obviously, you're dead. <laughs> but um, so we are providing a, a layer that no one is providing. We don't really care about owning the customer because they will stay with us if it's useful and then we walk away if we don't deliver the right service. What if somebody had a complaint? I imagine it doesn't happen very often. What if somebody had a complaint about the advice they'd received? Would they know it was you rather than Starling? Yes, so we are the regulated entity. So Um, Starling would be like, it's their fault. Exactly. (laughs) So it's a Starling customer. It's probably as well uh, a life carrier customer. Yeah. Um, And and it's uh, an advised uh, customer from Anorak. So why did you sigh out of interest? Is that no longer a relevant question? No, no, it's just that I've heard you ask it before. And I know that it's like this and then this and then this and you, you add stuff. There's logic to my brain somewhere. So <laughs> we, but what about for you? So the claim process would always go through social, right? Yeah. No matter what. Yep. Do, do I start that in Starling or do I start that in social? Uh, the claim process, you'd start with us. Okay. okay. You, you, you've sold, you've bought a policy with us, so you're also our customer. So um, we would then, and we would be um, uh, ensuring you've got a way better claim than you go elsewhere. <laughs> so that's why you're with us. All right. There is the same question for mortgage. You know, in, in this country, 75% of mortgages are intermediated by brokers. Yeah. Uh, the lender is lending the money. Um, and the, um, the lender thinks it's his client, but it's not his client. So it's a very complicated relationship. It's pretty the same with life insurance. Obviously, because you've got this two-way relationship, no one is selling them life insurance because they don't dare stepping on each other's shoes. So uh, for us, it's always an interesting question. Who is owning the customer? Sometimes uh, led people to not deciding anything about this customer. So, so what does this approach solve? And we talk about marketplaces all the time. I hear it in the market, no pun intended, a lot. But what are we solving? Are we just giving access to the 650,000 styling customers, access to a curated list of things that you can buy or you can access, whether it's you guys, Flux, or any of the other things that are inside the marketplace today, what else do I get? Or am I, am I, am I, am I solving the problem for the clients? I still have now got three different relationships rather than the one relationship. And doesn't, does it save me time? Does it, what, what does it save me? Uh, it does save you time. 
uh, in that, so in, in traditional uh, GI, so general insurance, you typically go as a consumer to go to comparison site yeah. and then get lost in what you're looking at. Uh, you've got a bunch of cheap uh, policies and you've got no idea whether they're going to pay out or not. And then you've got expensive ones and you don't really know whether why you're paying more for them. I think where the the benefit of a marketplace is to have it is curated, and so they have they, they are effectively selecting partners who are delivering you value, in uh, also a in in a consumer centric element. And I think what's the point that David was making earlier is the element of kind of a meeting of minds and of ethos that we have is critical, um, and because that is precisely why. Um, you would only want to be having on your marketplace um, partners that are delivering an exceptional service uh, and proposition for a good customer. And, and I'd agree there, and jump me if I'm wrong here, but I pulled out the Monzo story recently because they partnered with Oak North, I think, on ISAs and Pluto on travel insurance. Mm-hmm. They and don't both- do marketplace. Right, okay. They only they this very different model. They yeah. select their partners and build bespoke connections to them. Whereas what um, I'm sure Dylan and David can give us more detail on was with Starling, the way in which they approach the connectivity is they're trying to standardise it. Yeah. It's and not, actually, I don't understand it's standardised. Monzo is actually a premium account. So it's more like nationwide, where you'd basically pay a premium, a premium uh, additional money. Three pounds, six pounds a month. Whatever okay. it is, and you'll have additional services as part of it. And so you'll end up with... Uh, I guess my point was that the things they curated, you could get better value by going to Oak North Direct or Pluto Direct. Or Oak North, at least, Pluto was slated by the guys at which to say it hadn't got a great policy compared to everyone else in the market if you went to market. That's a different I model. It's not a, it's yeah. not a marketplace. And okay. it's not curated in the way that um, Starlings is. Okay. I, I think, I think to, to, to your point, um, I'd like to go back to the, how easy it is to, to connect with Starling. But before we get there, I think the point is with Starling, they're offering you a choice, but they're not recommending it in the same way by saying they have a preferred partner. And uh, to your point, Nigel, I think the um, interesting thing for us with the marketplace is that Starling has built very, very robust APIs, extremely structured, on which you can build services yeah. and become much more innovative than your initial proposition. And, and in itself, this is very interesting for us because it, it open, uh, opened up ideas and innovation in terms of service, frictionless. Uh, and, Which is and perfect, right? Which is where we should be getting to rather than just going, here's 17 mobile phone provider insurances and here's three life insurance advice companies that can work for you. So is there a commitment to say you've got exclusivity on those as well? You will, there'll be only one provider in each of the market space areas or is there... No, I don't think so. No, we, when I, um, I we will hear we'll hear from Starling later on. But um, no, they they basically said to me that the the main requ- they have two main requirements. One is, are you guys technologically advanced enough to understand what they want to do with you? And one of the reasons Monzo uh, moved away from marketplace idea was they couldn't find when they decided to try and do it enough partners who were technically capable. Um, so that's the main criteria that's starting at the moment. But the second point he made was it's just cultural. It's, it's exactly what Dylan said. It's, it's values. It's the cultures are the same. You know, so they have got an incumbent partner on there. Churchill from Direct Line is is, is on uh, Starling's marketplace as well. Um, unfortunately, they couldn't join us today. But uh, that they are a very different sort of company. But he said that they would only have been able to partner with them had they had the same mindset, you know, and the same cultural values and, and both the things you've just mentioned. So, so in terms of the connectivity from, from your perspective, it's David, it sounds like you, you were very excited by it. Was it a painful process to, to get things up and running? Or 
Was it long, big learning journey? No, it, it was, um, I mean, as any process, it's, it's a bit tedious. And uh, the tech part is, is, in fact, the easy part. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a regulated activity connected to a bank. And the due diligence part and the legal part is uh, expensive in terms of time, um, but necessary because what we do is highly regulated and starting as a bank. Mm-hmm. How, how about you, Dylan? What was your, your experience like of connecting Make it sound like you just put a plug in the wall, but <laughs> yeah, but it should be that simple, shouldn't it? Or should it, not, should it not be that simple? I think it should just be orchestrate the guys that you want to put together to give you all the things that you need in your life, and you get to just turn these things on and off as you see fit. So I think from the kind of technological perspective, you're right. Um, I think from I think we were one of the early ones, so it's you got a few, you know, as always when you're setting up something new and you've got to make sure you've got robust processes for, you know, and in a, in a sufficiently generic way, there are a few teething issues, but, I mean, it wasn't... Uh, you're still talking uh, to Anne. Well, absolutely. <laughs> and what I'd say is that um, compared to any other partnership that you'd be doing with an incumbent, it is light years faster. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I can completely understand Wait, that. <laughs> which ultimately matters, especially for um, kind of younger companies where, you know, 12 months is a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And the point I think that David made was very salient. It's not um, expensive money-wise, it's expensive time-wise. And when you're a young company, time is your most valuable resource. Yeah, t- uh, that makes sense. So, so where do you go after Starling? Where's next? Is, is it now a race to get onto as many platforms as possible? so that you can provide your services embedded into other fintech offerings? Would you do the same for Revolut? Would you do the same for N26 or whoever else is out there? Should they have marketplace opportunities? If the ethos is the right one, we're delighted to work with uh, any fintech of any kind of segment of the banking sector that is vast uh, and that kind of is uh, is needing to be disrupted. Um, There's a new distribution channel for you guys, yeah, both of you, right? Exactly. Yeah, so we look at it slightly differently. So we won't do hundreds of them. Um, we The Starling one is for us uh, a use case for bank insurance, which doesn't really exist in the UK and where we think there is an opportunity. So we want to grow with Starling, and actually we're we doing even more than we, we used to do. The quality of their customer base is very high, um, and actually you would find very few startups. And when you say quality, industry. how do you define quality? Because they're young, because they're not dying. <laughs> <laughs> They don't smoke. They don't have enough money. They do. So, so regardless, of you know life insurance pretty well. Yeah. You've got. A, are you now insuring entrepreneurs, David? We do. Excellent. I'm delighted. <laughs> Please come back to the site. You, got, you guys can take that offline if you need to have a business yeah, no. discussion. And initially they couldn't, so it was uh, very frustrating for me because I, I love what he was doing, and so um, I was uh, trying no, to buy my life insurance from them. But you can come back. I was turned yeah. down. But, <laughs> the, the, I mean, but by quality, I mean usually people downloading fintech apps are usually using it in a very casual way. But Starling is a bank, so the mindset of people using it is not exactly the same as any um, fintech app. So they are quite committed, and the conversion rate we see from this type of traffic is very high. This is probably one more for Sarah. I don't understand or don't see the difference between folks that have moved their entire life to the new banks versus using it as a secondary account. So I, when I jumped into Starling, I jumped in initially as a, let's just try it out. And then I'm like, I'm not going to try it until I move everything across. So I shut down my old traditional big four account and moved everything over there. So do you see a difference in, in the type of customer as well from a quality perspective? So if, I'm, if I use it as a secondary account to go, I've tried it or I've got the hot coral card or whatever else versus someone that actually uses it now 
as their primary accounts. I think that would probably change um, as the ability to pull more data and different types of data um, advances. So right now, the partnerships with Starling, correct me if I'm wrong here, gentlemen, but is is um, you can pull basic data across, but you can't do ID verification because the regulation doesn't allow you to do so. But when we get to the point where the regulation catches up with the technology and when you're pulling more information across then it will change because you will need to know what you're, for, some, for some things, not for your mobile phone, but for your life insurance, maybe you'll need to know different types of information. Well, why do you say not for your mobile phone? Because actually the way mobile phone insurance is underwritten in, at the moment is pathetic. We're going to be changing that. And actually having such integrations will be incredibly valuable. So, so can you explain how, how that, what, what data you would use for well, that? Instead of using, well, at the moment, it's not on a risk-based uh, element that you're actually underwritten. So, so it's just the, the, the value the of the phone, phone that you yeah. have in your hand. Why is it everything else you're doing is risk-based? Mm-hmm. Yes, oh, okay, I see your point. <laughs> so, so if you have more data such as, I don't yeah. know, what The amount of money you're spending with your repairer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've, I've broken my screen yeah. four times yeah. and still don't yeah. have insurance. I should know better, well, right? Yeah. Get, get the skew level data, which is, you know, all cracks repaired here or whatever it is, or smash screens today. Um, so we've talked a little bit about this, but do you find that with working with Starling, you're, you're learning things from them as well? Do you find that you're, you're... Because I imagine it's quite a close relationship. It's not kind of like we're connected and we step away. Do you find that you're... The, the, the premise of the question comes from the fact that everyone always says that fintech is slightly further ahead than insurtech um, in the UK market. And I wonder if there are some things that you find, oh, we could learn that from them because they've been there and done that already. Or if because the industries are so different, it, it's, not, it's not really the same. So they are very transparent. So the, the, the quality of the communication is great, which helps you improve your, your experience. Are we learning... I think we are very complementary and we are doing very different businesses. Yeah. So um, we are probably learning, but uh, we are not learning what we need to learn. But uh, it's inspiring to see such a company that, uh, that is uh, managed with um, a vision that has been the same since the start and is building a proper bank. I suppose from your perspective as well, um, <laughs> next time you want to connect to somebody, you can go, oh, well, you don't need to do it that way. You do it this way. <laughs> Dylan, how about you? Would you say you... You'd, yeah, you'd... but I think the kind of element that they're building a proper bank is pretty important. Um, and is this such a thing as not a proper bank? Revolut doesn't have a banking licence. So, okay, fine. Starling is. Um... <laughs> Starling is a proper bank, absolutely, 100%. Monzo is a proper bank, absolutely, 100%. <laughs> And no major issues with the FCA. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll hold off for that for tomorrow evening for the new show when everybody's had a bit of wine. Um, uh, so um, so then that's important because we also want to be associated with um, uh, with good players. So, uh, so there's your brand at stake as well. Yes. If you, so we, I spoke to our Starling earlier and hear, hear their response about, you know, when they choose their partners, it's their brand at stake. But you have the same concern, of course. And they build a business bank as well, which is very important uh, when you want to target Mm self-employed, which is, um, in the the context of protection, a big segment. So, I mean, mean, their their whole positioning and strategy makes a lot of sense when it comes to uh, Anorak. uh, It's a natural good fit. So what what else do you want to see Starling do that they don't do today, other than identification, which is a regulation issue? What else would you like from them that they don't give you today? Exactly what you said, like early segmentation prompt in the app. So uh, a a deeper integration when it comes to access to the the customer base and triggering the right conversation rather than being a, it could be a push rather than a pull. Yeah. But life insurance is really important. Yes. Because, I mean, people, it's sold, not not bought. So, um, um, but for us, it would be even more relevant. Like, for example, you've just bought your... um, 
uh, a new phone, it will be relevant for you to be informed at that point that you could get a great offer. Um, or your contract, your monthly contract value to EE or O2 or whoever else has gone up. Therefore, the likelihood is you've changed plans. Therefore, to trigger to go, how, are you covered? Exactly. So, so at that point, your question about is it relevant if I use this as my main bank or not becomes even more relevant yeah. because yeah. there are a lot of people, for example, who keep their direct debits on their big four bank because they get cash back. On those direct on those accounts, if they keep their direct debits out of them, yeah. so right. most of the big four banks yeah, will give okay. you like one percent on gas and electric. Cheap, I, I can't remember off my head, but you know no, what no, I mean. No, it's true. Yeah. yeah, we've had customers when we didn't have um, direct debit as an option to pay, saying, "Sorry, I'd love to tr- switch to you, but it, it, my mobile phone insurance is one of my direct debits, <laughs> and I can't have it with you at the moment." I need, I need, <laughs> I need, I need the three percent cash. <laughs> yeah. but, I, but I was also listening to the news show the other day where you talked about was it the Dutch regulator that stopped people using transactional data to then make offers accordingly, which I thought was really interesting. I was wondering if the UK would follow suit because that then kills all this sort of marketplace capability. I mean, Amex do it to me on the statement today. They'll they'll see a restaurant and then they'll offer me, hey, if you've got that restaurant, would you like to go to this restaurant? Right on this statement or on the digital statement, which is actually really interesting. It feels more here and now and present as opposed to having to go into the marketplace and browse for a service and buy something as opposed to be offered up something. But I think, Nigel, you need to lick forward rather than just in the present. The marketplace is the first step. Going forward, you will be kind of more integrated, kind of offer the right point in place. There's no reason. And there's always a fallback, which is a marketplace, yeah. um, where you've got your, um, uh, your reliable, favoured partners, but um, they can be kind of provided to you, or introduced to you at the right moment in your life journey. And there's no reason that Starling wouldn't want to do that, because my understanding is that Starling makes money every time it sells a policy through either sells a policy through social or it's a revenue share. So it, why wouldn't Starling want to sell more? It, it still feels like a customer issue. I blame my wife for this one. So um, she still doesn't listen. It's fine. Um, she, we, we, we bought travel insurance recently. She's been with her bank 28 years until she's just moved. Um, and they provide great travel insurance, but she went straight to an aggregator. So there's something that we need to try and work out how we condition or educate or teach that these things exist. There's other ways to get stuff. Because Emma just went straight to an aggregator, did a search and bought online. But, but Emma has been conditioned with the last 20 years of advertising that the comparison sites are the solution. They're not. And I think the younger generation coming through are maybe a bit more um, kind of... I think different types of insurance as well. Travel insurance is the big one. Everybody goes to one of those three big brands to get travel insurance. But when you look at something like mobile phone insurance, I can't remember the stats off my head, but I'm fairly sure there are an awful lot more people who buy it from the provider that the person they've bought the phone from recommends. As in the network provider or the the car from where they've they've done it. So, you know, do you want... It's super fragmented, actually. Okay, yeah. So, but it's, but it's not as necessarily this. My, sorry, my point I think still stands that different types of insurance have different yeah. kinds of behaviours attached to them, and um, point of purchase for mobile phone makes a lot of sense. So, if you're going to buy a phone online, why wouldn't you present? I get that, and I buy the mobile phone. Like insurance comes with it, or buy the car, and insurance comes with it. I have the baby that comes with insurance. I don't know. I don't know how it works for life insurance, but there's got to be somewhere I, where I go. That's a great idea. I know. Is, is Target the nursery. Is that, is, that, is that not the old-fashioned mortgage and life insurance tie-up? But we could just reimagine it a little bit. Yeah. It's bank so, insurance. Yeah, it's bank insurance. It's uh, being provided a life insurance when you get your mortgage, mm-hmm. and there are tons of things that needs to be done to make the conversation relevant at the right point in time. And only technology can do that. And that's a good question. Would you work with other? So I'm just thinking off the top of my head. We know um, Habito, who are one of the, the new mortgage providers in the UK. You'd work with other types of fintech exactly. as well. It doesn't yeah. have to just be a bank. It no, no, be, absolutely. Yeah. So those are very relevant for what we do. 
And I can't think of any kind of childcare app because I don't have children or spend time with anybody else. There's quite, <laughs> quite a few. There was, I, I was reading about one recently where there was one of providing uh, daycare. And there's, there's quite a few yeah. startups in that sort of space looking for things. But they, this whole idea of marketplace thing comes back to say, actually, they might be self-employed. They might need SME insurance. They, they might need key man. There's loads of things that come together that say, actually, the whole concept and, and idea behind a marketplace is outstanding. I still don't feel I found one that just operates seamlessly not yet yeah the marketplace is somewhere where you go and search like the amazon marketplace yeah uh, what you're talking about is something that delivers you something very uh, personalized at the right point in time and Nigel this, is just yeah. inherently lazy he wants yeah. everything oh, given to and, him oh, oh, and it makes sense <laughs> but as dylan said it's the next step i think it's uh, you you can talk to starting about it but it's probably uh, do you see it different in other countries have you witnessed marketplaces working in different ways in say france or elsewhere I'm looking at you, Dylan. I'm looking at... Well, they're both well, French. <laughs> why are you looking at me with big eyes? <laughs> uh, yes, Nigel. <laughs> it's not because I don't have a French accent that I'm not French. <laughs> are you making fun of me? <laughs> I'm not actually, David. I am French. My, name, my surname is Bourguignon, for goodness sake. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, the, I think what you also... I think what you're, you must recognise is that... Um, in terms of marketplace, yes, it's happened elsewhere. And I suppose where the Banque Assurance model really is uh, quite prevalent. So, for example, in Germany, I think French insurance has pivoted to a bank assurance model yeah. um, for Deutsche Bank, I think it is. <clears throat> but the um, so I think that those models are already and have been for a very long time. It's just being digitalized. However, um, in terms of distribution of insurance, you know, we, we've got to remember the UK is ahead of any other developed nation by five, ten years. I mean, we, we had the comparison sites in the 90s. I, I, uh, I give about this all the time. Yeah. Like, whenever, whenever I go overseas or elsewhere, they always say, but your market's so mature and people buy in a different way. Germany is always the way to get back to, we spoke to Leah about it previously, mm. about how cash-based they are, how about broker-based they are. It's a different model. And actually in this sort of place, marketplace might work quite well, actually. Could be wrong. Uh, they're, 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 looking, they're looking silently. I, I know. We're, we're, we're going to ask you what you've got next plan next, but there. But there are different types of marketplace. Yeah. In the US, you've got a massive marketplace called Credit Karma. Mm-hmm. And that is doing a very good job at using your data in a very relevant way to provide you uh, financial services that make sense. And in, in, a fa- in fact, I think Credit Karma is almost like Marketplace 2.0 because they hadn't had any Compare the Market or yeah. well, I can't remember any of the other names, like Go Compare or Money Supermarket. And they've kind of come... Credit Karma has leapfrogged that. And ClearScore in the UK is doing something very interesting. They are opening up their APIs and data so that people can build services around it. So, I mean, there are different kinds of marketplaces, um, but uh, some of them are very interesting. All right. Well, I think we're going to leave it there, gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Um, Next up, I spoke to Jason Maud, who is the Chief Technology Advocate at Starling. Uh, He couldn't join us for this roundtable, but we wanted to get his perspective on everything we've discussed regarding the burgeoning relationship between insurtechs and fintechs. So let's hear from him now. Welcome to InsureTech Insider. I'm Sarah Kachansky, and I'm here with Jason Maud, who is the Chief Technology Advocate at Starling. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for joining us. No problem. It's good to be here. So we're here to talk about the fact that Starling's marketplace has got a number of InsureTechs in it. Um, mm-hmm. So would you like to start by telling us which InsureTechs you've got? And then what does that actually mean? If I'm a Starling customer, what does having those InsureTechs in your marketplace give me? Mm, absolutely. So we, we connect with um, companies such as uh, Anorak, Social, Churchill. We've recently 
um, had a connection with Direct Line. Um, so we are adding every day um, different marketplace partners who offer insurance. Uh, the benefit of having those in the marketplace for Starling customers is the ability to seamlessly connect uh, your uh, bank account information with the uh, insurance provider and transfer any data that's needed from one to the other uh, in a secure manner without having to uh, either print something out and send it in or without having to uh, just, uh, you know, in some cases, give access to the uh, insurance provider to your whole account so that they can screen scrape it, which is hideously unsecure. So can I buy insurance through the Starlings Marketplace? Well, you can, uh, so you can, the, the actual buying of the insurance will happen through the, uh, the, the provider themselves, mm-hmm. but you can connect directly to them. And how does that journey work? Does that do I get taken sort of outside of my Starling app, or is it all done inside? Does it still say Starling at the top, or does it say no, no, direct it line? Will, at the it, top? Will, it will say direct line. Uh-huh. So you'll be you'll be aware that you are transitioning from one to the other. We don't want to do a sort of essentially branded takeover <laughs> of uh, the insurance provider, but we want to be able to. Um, uh, you know, make sure that you know when you're in one app and when you're in the other app. We just want to make it clear that there is communication going on between the two and what communication is going on. So if I, if I were to go into Dalek Marketplace and decide, but I, yes, Anorak is, is a product I want and I, I you know, click on it through the Dalek Marketplace, you said some of the information can be transferred seamlessly. So presumably that means it gets pulled from Starling. I have to manually re-enter some data. Is, is, that, what, is that what happens? Um, so... Uh, some of it will be uh, transferred, um, and it, obviously we'd like to be in a world where we can seamlessly transfer all the information, identity provision, and that sort of thing. Sometimes you will have to log in, depending from provider to provider, and that sort of thing. Um, the problem with transferring your identity mm-hmm. um, over, so all your details, so that you don't have to re-enter them, and, uh, and so that's would be name, date of birth, birth address. address. You know, all, yeah. all of that sort yeah. of stuff. And, the, the, you know, and not only that, but the idea of verifying, you know, the transferring not only of that, but also of the verification of that. That's something that we'd really love to do. But unfortunately, at the moment, that is um, not quite there. Not because of technical issues, but because of legal issues surrounding right. the, you know, the transference of identity, as it were. So the question when um, you're transferring identity over is who takes responsibility if it turns out that someone's got something wrong. Um, if we transfer our uh, uh, identity information over to an insurance provider and then it turns out we've got something wrong and the insurance provider uh, loses out because of that, who is responsible for that loss? Um, that is a, a legal question which is still sitting with the lawyers. You know, Much right. as we'd like to seamlessly be able for you to essentially say, log into the here with Starling and so on. and That, that sort of thing is is uh, uh, growing and, you know, getting more and more uh, to be a reality, but it's not quite there yet. So it's the regulator's fault for now. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, it's, a, it's an important legal question, yes, right? Absolutely. You know, I, I don't want to sit here and blame no, no. the regulator. They are providing uh, good protection. No, know. but it is important to make that distinction, I think, between what's technically possible and what's legally possible. So um, how do you choose which, um, which partners... Uh, 
First of all, do you call them partners? How do you describe the... the, the yeah, we partners? describe them as marketplace partners. Marketplace partners. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you choose the brands that are going to be in your marketplace? Because um, I, I know you said, you know, you don't want it to be a brand takeover, but presumably there is some brand association there. You don't yeah. want to be recommending a product that isn't, isn't oh, appropriate. absolutely, yes. So we have to do a level of due diligence on our marketplace partners to make sure that they are... Um, doing certain things so that we can trust them and associate ourselves with them. Um, one of the main things there is, uh, are they going to handle customers' data correctly, for example? Are they, what, you know, what data are they going to request and how are they going to handle it and store it? You know, so that is a very important thing because we want to make sure our customers are protected and that we're not just transferring data to people who are going to leave it on a laptop on a train somewhere. Um, another question is, how good are they uh, technically? You know, how, uh, how easy would it be for us to technically connect to them? Are they the sort of company that has a you know, modern API which understands um, you know, concepts like uh, asynchronicity, eventual consistency, idempotency, all of these technical concepts that, uh, when we're connecting them, help us to... Um, ensure that any transactions that are taking place or information transferred between one and the other is going to be well handled and is going to be handled in a way that means that you don't you know, duplicate a payment, for example, um, or anything like that. Uh, so those are a couple of the questions we ask. We also ask things like, is it going to be commercially viable? You know, uh, are this, is this company reasonably sized enough such that it will be around for a long time? Or are we going to have a problem where the, the company will go under? So, you know, commercials are important as well. And actually on that commercial side, how do you, do you make money from these partnerships? Is it a kind of a revenue sharing model? Yeah, I mean, we make money from, you know, people signing up to, uh, you know, the various providers. It, I mean, it differs from, It'll differ from uh, provider to provider, but you know, if someone connects through and uh, signs up based on you know going through the marketplace and recommendation, then we gain some, uh, usually gain some funds out of that. that that's the general model. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That's that's why yeah. you know you know the commercial reason for doing it. Yeah. And um, so it's interesting to me then that you, that you actually have. Um, a brand from what we'd call an incumbent. So Direct Line are um, not necessarily one of the oldest insurers, but they are certainly older than perhaps Social, which you yeah. mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, that must be, that, that's sort of, it, I find that fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, do you know whether you approached them or they approached you about that partnership? I don't know how the, the, mm -hmm. the partnership got yeah. started. Um, it definitely is interesting in terms of connecting two different technical cultures. Yes. Um, Starling is a very tech-focused company. We're very uh, technology-oriented. Um, and because of that, we uh, operate in a manner more um, resonant with, say, the Amazons and Netflixes of this world, uh, rather than the existing financial uh, and insurance institutions. So when we connect with a, an older company who likes to do things in a particular way, who likes to have you know project plans and releases of code once every three months or so, um, then uh, you know I'm not saying that's specifically how Direct Line operate, but you know in general these older companies tend to operate in a much more uh, slow, steady fashion rather than us who are you know releasing code all the time and that sort of thing. Um, because of that, uh, there can be you know sometimes a bit of a culture clash trying to work work through exactly how we're going to coordinate our 
uh, technology releases and that sort of thing. But it's a positive sign that you've brought uh, Churchill on board or Direct Line on board yeah. because you wouldn't have done that if you didn't think it was going to be successful. Absolutely, so. yes. You know, I mean, we, we definitely see there is, uh, there is benefit there. It's, it's mainly a case of us trying to encourage them to become uh, more in tune with the tech aspect of fintech or insurtech. You know, they're, uh, they're, it, it isn't just, a, you know, insurtech in and fintech isn't just about having computers or being on the cloud. You know, it's, a, it's not just about the technology. It's also about the technical culture that goes along with that and the whole idea of how you operate in a way that connects well with software engineering. And I think one of the problems that we, we come across time and time again um, on this podcast or on any of our podcasts is that the, the incumbents don't necessarily get that. But the fact that uh, you know, you're working with Churchill shows that they've obviously, they may not get it yet, but they want to get it. They right. understand that it's necessary. Absolutely. You know, they, they want to um, understand that they want to make sure that they can connect to these new markets, connect to people who are living more and more on their mobile phone and want to interact with the world through their mobile phone. Um, the, the thing that might be letting them down is that this, uh, the way that software works is very much this, as Mark Zuckerberg famously said, this move fast and break things culture. And um, finance and insurance doesn't really like the break things aspect of that. They're, you know, they're worried because they're dealing with people's money. Uh, they're worried about the regulators coming down on them. And um, we at Starling have spent a lot of time and effort making sure that we can move fast without breaking things, move fast without causing um, payments to get lost and that sort of thing. Um, and we want uh, everyone else we interact with to adopt the same model. And there are certain principles that you have to adopt when you uh, adopt this new culture, which allows you to move fast, but still keep things reliable. Well, I mean, it sounds positive. Um, have you, do you have any plans for, for more insurance brands to come into the Starling marketplace? Um, uh, certainly. I think we, we don't have a um, specific goal of uh, just focusing on insurance or mm -hmm. focusing on insurance no more. We want to make the marketplace uh, a place where you can offer a lot of choice to any um, users who come along and, and you know want to sign up yeah. with us. Well, we should point out you have other, you have other sorts of financial service products. You have absolutely. a pension product and yeah, absolutely. Et cetera, et cetera yeah. But um, but I, I, I wonder if you know it, will there come a point where you end up with too many insurance brands in there, or is, you haven't got that mindset? It's going to be we'll always have as many as we can make work. I mean, I think there is definitely a, a case of having. You know, providing the consumer with too much choice mm -hmm. can become paralysing, but I don't think we're anywhere near <laughs> that level yet. Yeah. yeah, you need a few more of the incumbents to, to get their minds around the idea first. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, um, and it will be interesting to see how um, the uh, incumbents perform against the, the newcomers, mm -hmm. um, and whether the you know the, the 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 power of the incumbents' experience and their uh, long-standing trust relationship that they have built up with their customers. Um, will uh, trump the sort of more fast-moving, agile uh, interactions of the uh, the newcomers. Um, certainly, in banking, we found that the you know it is possible to 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 a certain extent overcome the uh, the sort of uh, more staid incumbents. 
uh, as it were. But I'll be interested to see where that goes. Absolutely. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if people want to find out more about yourself or about Starling and yep. its insurance marketplace, where should they go? Do you have a Twitter handle or a website you'd like to share? Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, you can follow us at Starling Bank. Uh, you can go to starlingbank.com. Uh, you can also, uh, if I'm allowed to plug a rival podcast. Absolutely. Uh, we, can, we can let you plug it and then we can cut it out later. Um, <laughs> You can uh, go and listen to the Starling Developer podcast where we talk about the how we have um, developed Starling Bank, how we have built it from the ground up. We'll probably allow that one. <laughs> Thank you very much, Justin. Thank you very much. So that wraps up today's show. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining me. Um, where can listeners find out more about you or your products or services? Do you have websites, Twitter handles, any of the above? Dylan? Yeah, so you can find uh, your mobile phone insurance at wearesosure.com because you can't just be sure about your insurance, you've got to be so sure about it. And uh, our Twitter handle is at wearesosure. David, how about you? Yeah, you can go on anorag.live, our website, and you can buy life insurance. <laughs> and Nigel, where can people find you? Which country can they find you in? I'm on holiday from tomorrow, so I'm very excited. I shan't tell you where I am because I will be switching off and enjoying podcasts and what's not, but I am on Twitter at Nigel Walsh. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at Sarah Kachansky. That wraps up another InsureTech Insider. Thank you to my guests today, Dylan, David and Jason at Starling. As always, you can find the show on Twitter at InsureTech Insiders. And if you like what you've heard this week, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and please, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you have any suggestions or feedback, please reach out on Twitter or email podcast at 11fs.com. <laughs>